it's obvious that planning is hard. You should always have, you know, a hybrid solution. This is my view. Also, in early stage, maybe you haven't even found product market fit. You don't know whether you're going to have be able to raise funding in the next six months or not. So just for that reason, why put such an important role at risk and then and then have to let them go? Eva, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the Scaling So Far podcast today. Really looking forward to chatting and, and hearing your perspectives on, on a bunch of juicy talent topics. So appreciate you coming on to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. It's my uh, first podcast, like I told you. So yeah, let's see. <laughs> thank you. Great. It'll be a good conversation. Um, to start things off, I'd love to hear just a little bit about your journey um, to where you are today, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm originally from Spain. I'm from Barcelona. I um, I studied there. I then lived for um, a little bit in France uh, for an internship. I stayed for work. And then I went to London uh, just with nothing, really. Uh, no, no job, no apartment, no nothing. And um, I started with a few jobs. And then I started to study my master in HR. And I did consider going into HR first. Uh, but I just thought... I always enjoy more like a bit the sales aspect and more um, just fast paced uh, environments, to be honest. And then I thought, okay, recruitment might be a really good place for me to start. And to be honest, I did have um, a very good previous experience with a recruiter that actually headhunted me for another role I had. And I was just so impressed by the work he did and how he did it. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, That looks fun. Um, I went into healthcare recruitment first and I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, I was hiring for the NHS and, and uh, I just don't know. I just, uh, I thought it was a bit wrong, uh, to be honest, that uh, agencies were making so much money of us recruiters hiring for the NHS. I just thought it was a bit broken to me, to be honest, um, as a system. So then I went into, into tech, uh, tech mm-hmm. recruitment, which was a complete intentional move. Because I just thought, okay, that's just the future. It's the way forward. I could learn so much. And I did. Um, I wanted to go into agency first because it was, I would say, the best school. Um, so agencies are, are it's very competitive, uh, the agency sector uh, in London, especially in tech, I would say. So I just thought, okay, I'll go there for a while. And of course, very commission-based, very KPI-based. But I, I really thought it was a really good learning curve for me and um and just being thrown into the deep end. Uh, you know, I I remember I was actually the only non-British person in that office for a while, which was a bit strange for me because I was like, oh, I'm not that good on the phone. But things started to happen and I, I did well in agency and then I um I was approached by Talentful. That's the previous company I was before freelancing now. And they were more a consultancy model like you at Seed. Uh, they were, we were acting as embedded talent partners for, for businesses. Yeah. And immediately when, um, yeah, immediately when I joined, I, I was sent to Berlin as the first employee to start doing projects in Berlin. When I onboarded, they were like, okay, there's a project in Berlin for a fashion tech company. Um, do you want to go? And I was like, for sure. Uh, why not? You know? I don't know anything about the German tech recruitment market, but um, mm-hmm. but that sounded fun. And uh, 
and it was an on-site experience. So I was there with the client and it was super great, to be honest. We opened an office uh, here in Berlin and I will tell more about that later, but I, I basically then I went from, um, there was a bit of a life-changing experience for me and then I decided to go into into freelancing and this is where I am now. I have two main clients called Charles and Simple Club and I've been with them since day one I started freelancing and it's been it's been really great. I joined them both seed stage and um and I help them scale now um until series A and hopefully hopefully forward. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. You've got a, a ton of experience obviously hiring teams and, and shaping TA functions at mm-hmm. early startups and scale-ups um the yeah. last summer scalpy and as you said yeah. now Liverpool club and charles like mm-hmm. what have your biggest learnings been along the way so every all these companies are very different for sure but for me what i really learned is that um you have to adapt so there is no uh there is no way that one size fits it all i went with all the to all those companies with a very very open mind. I know who I am as a recruiter. I know what I expect and what how I've seen things go well, go wrong. Uh, but I also want to go there with an open mind and also to an extent adapt and understand a bit their culture in order for me to do my job, not just impose and be like, this is how I did it and before this, how we're going to do it. I just really wanted to understand where they came from, uh, where uh, why they had the processes in place they had and see and just partner with them really, uh, see see how how I could help them keep their culture but still you know hire at a good pace and find good talent um partner with literally everyone not just the founders just every high manager every person that was involved um Mm. so it was it was about being flexible i think that's the key right for being a a good uh, talent partner is that you you have to adapt to very different projects very quickly and you have to make it work so you do have to be very good at reading situations fast uh, understanding dynamics maybe inside teams and see how that could block hiring or maybe um, make it easier so just just to just bring in those learnings and just being also adaptable I would say without compromising quality because in the end I do care about the experience we provide to candidates and I I still have the agency recruiter in me that wants to perform and wants to place mm-hmm. and all that so um, but just being adaptable and to to their culture I would say and their needs yeah (laughs) sounds like the perfect balance though because you've got those different experiences from your agency days and then early stage in-house as well and I think with startups and and scale-ups especially like you as you said you have to adapt because what they're doing is more often than not completely innovative and has never been done before so practices that you've um you've implemented elsewhere can't necessarily be exactly no. you have your sort of different frameworks that you might test out but yeah you have to yeah. sort of absorb exactly who they are before you then go in and and yeah based on on where they should be going you you have to build trust very fast that's mm-hmm. the key right to to being uh sticky to customers in the end um and then eventually they will probably come to you and they will say okay what's your opinion like yeah. why is this not working what do you think how do you think we should do it and I think that's the most important moment right in the relationship between you and a customer is when they do come they do see you as an advisor in your special area they don't just come as okay I'm the client I'm the manager or whatever 
this mm-hmm. is how we do it and if it doesn't work uh we're just gonna keep doing it that way um look you know if that's what you want but in the end you should be able to build that trust and and i think that's essentially the key to to success i would say yeah mm. mm-hmm. obviously like building trust in in you know your role now and um being your own boss especially as mm. a, a contract talent leader um it's super important i yeah. would love to dig into why you made that decision to to transition and just yeah become your own boss yeah um so the life-changing experience was the pandemic um and then I just decided it was time for me to take control of the situation a little bit and be like okay I know I can do a good job uh I've done it I have a good track record with the customers they've always extended the contracts I've made lots of contacts uh in those um in the past um maybe important to highlight that I was in the good position that I was the first employee being sent to a country where we were expanding. So in the process of doing that, I was networking a lot. I was trying to, I was put in charge of running events uh, monthly for Talentful in Berlin and I was moderating them, looking for speakers, going to companies like HelloFresh, whatever, ask mm-hmm. them for their office space and organizing events. So in the process of doing that, um, I kind of put my face out there. So I knew I had contacts uh, in, in Berlin. Yeah. So the question mark was, I know I can do recruitment. Um, can I get my own clients? That was that was a bit the and my second question was that am I a good recruiter because I work at Tanful or am I good because I'm just good on my own or and I can do it on my own? And that was something I wanted to answer um for myself. So I started to talk to other freelancers, to other people that did kind of the same. But I would say the pandemic was maybe the turning point. And for me, I I at first I was scared and then I thought, wait, wait, this is actually very empowering. Uh, I could do something uh, with this. And as you sort of ventured into that new path as well, um, what do you feel have been some of the key factors in your success? As you've mentioned, mm. you're still with Simple Club and, and Charles, who you were with when you first went mm. into You must be doing an incredible job there. Yeah. The first contract we signed with Simple Club was for three, they wanted to sign for one month and it was for three months and then eventually became almost two years now um so of course you have to deliver i i we did hire a lot of people um but in the end i also bonded very well with the teams uh i was not really because you're in this freelance position you're like okay what if i don't say what i think i don't have to be diplomatic about certain things so i was very honest when things were not working or what my opinion was and i think that worked in my favor uh lots of times so I I just bonded very well with their HR teams, with the founders, with the mm-hmm. hiring managers, and I was coming them from a position of I care about your business. I also care my, about my reputation as a freelancer, so that's also intrinsically why I want to do a good job here. And um, and I I guess I just I I became sticky to them because I I combination of delivery, trust, and and mm-hmm. uh, and just care really for me I. I took it as this is my business. Like I'm not going into freelancing to chill or to have even that much more time off, but I'm I'm doing that because I do want to prove something. And yeah. and I think that's you know that that's what what did it to be honest. Um yeah, they, these two clients are very good examples, but of course in the process of that I had to say no to others, uh, mm-hmm. which I felt like they were not a fit for me, and that's something you also learn. Mm-hmm. And- 
thing that also as as a as a freelancer you can do right you you as you said before like you're taking control of your future and yeah to say yes to the types of companies and partnerships that align to you versus those that might not that's where real also passion and care for those companies comes in that's true to be honest and of course no contract is perfect you know they all have their things but in the end you have to to find to make it work for you the most important thing for me was the learning course and from the time I stopped learning I was like it's not for me anymore and maybe the call even for the cultural reasons maybe they just didn't align at all uh and and then or the way they did recruitment or the way they treated recruiters in general if I saw some red flags there I would be like okay no I would probably try to give feedback before and mm. then just to see you know but that's that's sadly we both know that uh recruitment is broken in lots of companies and and that's maybe a, for some companies sadly not going to change uh so yeah. yeah I'm conscious that some folks out there might be considering making a similar move um and becoming a freelance contractor like mm. what advice would you give them so the the networking aspect is very important and that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of people don't want to attend because it's like oh my god I will always have to be switched on I'll always have to be talking to people and selling myself and all that the truth is that um to be honest all the customers I've had in the last two years they came I didn't really have to look for them they came through referrals and through the network um so I think if you're good you won't have to go so much and find them but you do have to to stay alert and and just be into it and just be able to put things together and be like okay how can i turn this into an opportunity for 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 me mm-hmm. um that's that's one aspect and then of course you have to balance your time for me the first year was first few months was a mess to be honest after six months i was almost like burn it, it was super fun but i was also so tired and in a recruiter role you are candidate facing and if you're tired candidates will notice that and they'll just notice the low enthusiasm and everything and i was like can't afford this and um you're on your own so no sick pay no nothing you know so you do have to look after yourself a lot and mm. that's something i probably had to learn a bit the harder way um so of course one week of no work is one week of no salary for me uh these days so but the reward that that can bring you in the longer term is so much better for you and your your customers and for everyone so mm-hmm. i had to learn how to say no a lot more and find the balance and that was hard for me because there were lots of tempting offers uh coming last year was great for recruiters we everyone wanted recruiters everywhere so i was like well i can do it i can do it and at some point you're like no stop uh can't you know um so that was a bit hard on the time management aspect and then of course boring things like taxes whatever but um in germany it's horrible to be honest uh, i i find it horrible uh, very scary at, at least for me um but but more on the time <laughs> on the time management to be honest and just the anxiety of being like oh am i going to have a contract in three months or in six months but so far it's not happened that I've not been without a contract so so far so good but you always have this a little bit anxiety so you do have to invest in yourself um your time and the other aspect for me was educational um when companies like Talentful and I'm sure Seed they have the best platform for recruiters to grow and Mm. to to learn we had coaches we had trainings we had uh, learning budget we had everything and 
now being on my own, I was like, well, who's gonna do this for me, right? Um, so it has to be me. So yeah. at some point, I had to um, find the time and also organize the budget for me to 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 learn and to keep growing. I I did a coaching course. I'm certifying now, and uh, and that was time and money that I had to essentially block and and take time to do. But but I think when it's your money, <laughs> you do it so much more intentionally and so much more you put your your heart into it so than when someone else is paying I, I feel I don't know um mm. so I didn't take that for granted uh I'm not going to take it for granted anymore even if I was to work with someone so I'll um that's that's important also yeah yeah I can imagine looking into the future and, and thinking okay like you know how long is how long is this contract going to be and you almost have to be semi-comfortable with a little bit of ambiguity I can imagine yes yeah and just communicate with your clients a lot because mm. I remember when in um contract was about to run out and I was like oh should I ask should I um do they just assume I'm gonna I'm just gonna leave and afford what's the plan so don't be afraid to ask them look you know if um by this day you can't ensure you know that we we can extend or or you know give me some visibility or at least tell me what you would need uh then I will have to start looking for options. Um, you can't risk losing a customer um, just because you were afraid to have that conversation. And to be honest, I was super afraid to have those conversations at the beginning. I, I was like, no, I shouldn't. That's so greedy. I shouldn't be asking, you know. Um, let them come to you. And then and then usually they did. But then I'm, I'm also a lot better about approaching these conversations now and, and just asking for it's a bit scary because they might just say to you, look, no, uh, we actually want to replace you or we just don't need, you would know as a recruiter if they need to keep recruiting probably, but, um, but you never know, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And it sounds like it's just a matter of like um, setting boundaries with like yourself mm. and your time and your energy, but also mm. with your as well. And like knowing what those boundaries are for you. Yeah. Um, and, and right now, I think the, the power of contractors and even that hybrid a- approach to recruitment um, where companies like blend in-house resource with external TA advisors or embedded, embedded recruiters, contractors, that's really gaining momentum. Um, yeah. And you've definitely seen it here at Seed as well. I know this is something that you do strongly believe in. Um, why do you... Mm. Approach is is so effective, especially for those earlier stage companies. And I suppose a second half of that question is like, what role do you feel like it has right now with the evolving economic land, landscape as well? Yeah. So a couple of things here. So why is it important? It's important because not only stage early stage companies, any company these days, it's obvious they don't have it together or they just don't know what uh, they're doing in terms of hiring sadly yeah. so that puts that makes recruiter or the recruiter role very vulnerable and to be honest I'm worried that it will put people off from even being a recruiter because it's such a volatile position like even the big companies that you thought oh this is not going to happen there but it does happen and recruiters are the first one to leave mm-hmm. the door uh, to go through the door I guess and um and for me, that that was that was probably the reason why I went also into into freelancing because like okay, that's fine that that happens, but at least I will be in charge, you know, of the next move. So as a freelancer, we sign minimum three six months, 
and then we take it from there because I think it's hard to plan further uh, in some cases and that's the benefit. Um, so much changes so quickly that yes. to commit for a, for a really long period of time, like that, that takes a lot of gambling on their side. So having yeah. that flexibility baked into, into the partnership yeah. is massively key. A hundred percent. And, and in the end, who is doing those three months cover or um, mm. positions that still have to be worked, but they might take three months to fill. So yeah, I, I think, you know, more flexible contracts would maybe work better. But in the end, it's true that now if a client can't say, oh, I can't sign for six months because I don't know what's going to happen, then it's maybe a red flag. And should I even work with that customer? But I understand that as a freelancer go to someone and be like, let's sign for a year unless it's some kind of maternity cover or something that's a bit, um, it's maybe a bit unrealistic because you, you're, the, the value on essentially the proposal is based on you, on the flexibility. Yeah. And then it's on you to, to go, make a good impression, to get an extension and all that. But, um, but that's why, why I think it works. And that's, I always do recommend my clients and to be honest without even recommending they just they see themselves in most cases yeah fantastic and and I suppose even more so like that that point about um flexibility is compounded with the economic landscape and potential volatility in the market and actually the need to if you do if you are continuing to hire um mm. but you want to invest in permanent teams exactly on like you still have that coverage you still have the knowledge that I can continue to hire and I will will keep going as opposed yep. to cap or some sort of um deficiency in 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 the recruitment area of the business exactly I mean we've seen recruiters being let go in the pandemic and then being rehired again because recruitment became so important so important everyone was growing everyone was funded and now being let go again uh, because there's a recession, uh, which we don't even know if it's happening, but they say it's going to happen. So uh, just to just to prepare, let's let's let them go, and all that, which shows that there is a problem in 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 the way that recruiters come into companies. Um, so so yeah, I I I think that's there's a benefit in both uh, approaches for sure. But I would be suspicious if, you know, I work with a client at early stage and they said, oh, I just want to hire five recruiters. I would really question you, to be honest. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's my, my opinion, maybe slightly biased opinion, but, but yes. <laughs> and um, I was slightly going back into sort of your experience, especially with startups and scale-ups. Um, mm. What are some of the most common mistakes you really see being made from from a talent acquisition perspective? Yeah, mm. usually I would say for sure lack of planning in general. Um, so you know sometimes I went there and I didn't see a hiring plan for over a year, so that's a bit um, scary. And then. Um, a bit just a top-down approach right like uh if you hire people then ask them what do they need to hire it right really challenge them and push back and 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 just plan just according to let me make a business plan and just just plan but i think in the early stages um that just for some reason doesn't take priority and and then you know you end up hiring on demand just being like oh and i need i need a product manager next month I need it I need it immediately and all that and that just maybe doesn't guarantee you the best talent uh so yeah 
and then just really partnering with your recruiters because in the end they do hold a lot of market knowledge mm. and they are the ones out there working the position so they can really help you estimate what's realistic for you so yeah. I, I I still believe in lots of companies recruiters are seen a bit as a admin or random function um so I'm very lucky that I do work with customers that really do respect what uh what recruiters do, but I do know that's not the case. And and yeah, and I think in the end, I was I was talking to a friend, and I I I think it's depending how aggressive the culture is, they will push to hire more and more. So mm. it's important to have recruiters that can really challenge you and question you, and not just say yeah yes sure you know we'll just hire this, but really understand. Where does this sit in the organization? How important? Just do some health check before we start hiring, which is what I, I do tend to do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also, um, I think something that a lot of companies forget is if you are um, pushing to hire more and more and more, but don't either have the infrastructure or the next level resource in place to make, yeah. make sure that hiring keeps moving. Like, do you have the right number of hiring managers trained to properly re- to properly interview in 100%. order to that volume of people? Because if you don't, you're going to get bottlenecks somewhere or inefficiencies or candidates are going to get annoyed at delay times. Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. That's one aspect. Um, and then the other one is that, can we even onboard all these people? Because even if I was to hire this for you next month, we can't really onboard all these people. We're just not prepared to do that. And we have to, to be honest, it's not just what's going to happen to your product or your company. It's more about what's going to happen to us, uh, to these candidates, that are gonna, who's going to take care of them, uh, to these new joiners know that and I and that's why also the big learning is that for me HR was my best friend so I always find her so well with HR um HR people Simplica for example has an amazing HR team and mm-hmm. um and I was lucky to help them build it from scratch so so to be honest they were the ones that when a hiring manager came to me with some idea or you know or question or or questionable crazy idea maybe I would always go to them and be like what do you think and they would be like okay let's talk you know and they would open the conversations or when you get stuck in a salary negotiation or or Mm. anything like that or titles etc they are basically your best partner like you know not not the hiring managers only like just really HR so I do I do tend to get HR very very involved yeah yeah and and for you, like, is it, I know you've just mentioned you get HR involved, but especially when it comes to um, encouraging startups and scale-ups to really forward plan and I suppose partnering with business leaders to to upskill and to educate them on, on what recruitment takes um, from a time and a resource perspective, like how do you tend to go about building those relationships with, with the stakeholders mm-hmm. within the business? So usually we, I mean, for example, simply we did a talent quarterly report, things like time to hire per quarter, like how we did just a retrospective to see what we've learned. And in the end, we we started to plan a lot better for as far as we could in the future with some flexibility. Because for me, I understand if you tell me in December this year, we have to hire these people by December next year. I will take that still with a pinch of salt because that might for sure change. But it's good that you are thinking so ahead and you're taking into account recruitment 
and how long it takes. Um, so some of my clients, they got really good at doing it just uh, um, by opening up conversations and showing a data and then just having um, having examples from the market um, so that we also do. And then explaining blockers, things like that. So that's that's usually the education. So I, I think it's it's more, like I said, for example, our sales department doesn't behave the same way that our engineering department where they are maybe a bit more efficient, you know, when it comes to hiring and sales people, maybe they're a bit more disorganized. So you just have to to see the patterns and then work with them. And then if you had issues with a previous hire or like hiring process, always retrospect. You can't just keep doing um, the make mistakes over quarters you know? yeah. because otherwise, to be honest, you're never going to manage to engage recruiters. Me as a recruiter, I will just go to to the hiring manager that works well. Mm-hmm. And what I can hire and I can move fast and and just, you know, uh, and just forget the rest, um, which is not what you want to happen, of course. So you do have to to feedback, to find ways um, to to work well together. It's not just showing you a pipeline and then hoping, hoping for the best. So which yeah. I think is what a lot of companies think that recruiters do. They just source and push profiles and all that, but don't talk about fixing the process, maybe. Um yeah um yeah it's like giving that context and being more like data informed because you might have that data or um that context obviously stored in in your brain but yeah somebody else might not have that context and that perspective so it's about giving them as much to to show that yes this is a decision or advice but here is why and and I think Mm. yeah and certain groups of people will be really data driven and um and value yes. that some people might not but <laughs> no i mean and and of course there's more to this right so we um it's true that in in startups a lot of people are or in many companies a lot of people are hiring managers or interviewers for the first time in their lives so they yeah. just don't it's, it's true they probably don't know uh and that's true. So we do also do interview trainings. We do mm-hmm. tailor them. We we get different groups usually mixed, and and we try to explain them why does this matter? What's really how we've been doing for the last quarter? How how long does it take to hire someone in our company? And and why does it take this time? And what happens behind the scenes? We give them training around how to partner with recruiters and how to work with recruiters, and um. And then what is expected from them as hiring managers or interviewers in order for us to get offers out. So everyone has a role and they should know what their position is in the hiring process. Sometimes you're a hiring manager, sometimes you're an interviewer, sometimes you're a peer, whatever, and, and just clarifying roles and 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 just, you know, and understanding the context why why are we hiring? Why is this important to us to to do these kind of trainings and have this conversation? So that we are also doing now. I do it for clients on a separate basis, just going to workshops for them on this topic. Um, but it's it's the most important thing. And a company that wants to invest time and money on doing interview training workshops, this clearly shows that they they care. So that's already very good. <laughs> because I think recruitment as well is quite unique in that you're having to ask for portions of people's time dedicated yep. to help you do your job and actually exactly. and, and and you you do have to get that by and have that education piece around why it's so important and actually one of 
one of our former partners, Sophie from on at Graphcore, built this real culture of everyone's a recruiter. Like we are mm-hmm. all recruiters. Here's how we behave because we we are all at heart recruiters. Yes, you're a senior software engineer, but actually you've got a responsibility of bringing in brilliant other software engineers and and exactly building that culture and I think that you do need that especially at the early stages because everybody does have to get stuck in whether it's through referral jams of the entire company or if they are dedicated hiring managers so yeah I like that point (laughs) and on a light-hearted note and and as we come um as we sort of start to wrap things up I I always think this question tells you lots about people. <laughs> um, but if you could invite three people, either from the present right now or from history, to a dinner party or drinks, who would they be and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I thought about this question. Uh, it was, um, but in the end, I, so I'll tell you. So, and I'll tell you why. So, the first one would be Bill Campbell, and I will explain who he is. Uh, I chose him because recently I'm I'm starting coaching, I'm certifying, and he was a very important coach. He coached some of the people that changed, changed the world and saw the future, like Steve Jobs, like Jeff Bezos, um, like all the let's say Silicon Valley um, tech stars. He was um, he was very behind the scenes, but he was coaching these people, and then they wrote a book about him called uh, trillion bill trillion dollar coach and you have to read it it's actually a really good book and it's super interesting um and that book inspired me to to check out what coaching did because i first thought that coaching was a passport and everyone would call calls themselves coach these days on linkedin yeah. tiktok whatever and i was like no wait let's check this out what can coach coaching do and then i went through um six months um coaching course and now i'm preparing for an exam and everything so he was he was amazing uh he i mean he explained some of the techniques and how he helped them solve uh, help them solve very difficult problems and and just you know um i guess transform their lives and organize them so that that was a really inspiring book um so that was because of coaching uh second is very cliche but i did read uh michelle obama uh and book and why so the other thing I do is volunteering I coach um I mentor refugees coming into Germany and into Europe also for finding new jobs so I started to do this when I moved to Berlin I found an organization two organizations one called Ready School of Integration and the other one is Imagine Foundation and what they do they um they have refugees or people looking for jobs in in Europe and I offer a few hours of my week to to mentor them and help them pass interviews, prepare their CVs, everything. And she did a lot of social work. <laughs> and she used her position to do social work and, and just do it at a much bigger scale. Uh, so, so that was also very inspiring because that's actually how she also started her career initially. And the third one, um, maybe you know him since you do podcasts, is Tim Ferriss. Uh, he has a podcast. And I always say, uh, because recruiters, they spend so much time interviewing and on screening calls. And I'm always like, 
I always tell my colleagues I'm the team Ferris of recruitment because at mm-hmm. some point it gets too much, to be honest. So you just have to go there with a bit of fun. And uh, and I could spend days on screening calls, you know. So in the end, you're like, okay, I'm just going to treat it with a lot of curiosity. And I think that's something he does super well. And yeah. of course, his interview also very interesting people, which is super cool. And I do think I interview very interesting people. Um, um, so... I'm like, okay, I could come here as a recruiter. I could just come here as someone with a lot of curiosity and uh, interesting, powerful questions. And yeah. his podcast is um, just very inspiring for that. So, uh, and I also think he's very interesting. He's done other stuff. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I guess the podcast is, is uh, one of the main things he does these days. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love all of those suggestions. And I'll have to, um, I'll put the organizations that you mentioned into our show notes. So yeah. For sure, thanks. Um, <laughs> but no, Tim Ferriss, I think he's fantastic. And yeah, as you said, such a great interviewer and just yes. a really curious human. He's a yeah, fantastic interviewer. So I think he'd be he'd be great at a dinner party. <laughs> is is there a, a value or a thought or a phrase that you tend to live by your mantra, so to speak? Mm-hmm. So I don't. I have no idea who said this. I have to be honest, but uh, I I read it again recently, and it just said. Um, and I think it, I actually heard it on one of the coaching uh, courses I did. But it was life. Um, life happens uh, for you, not to you, or the other way around. I can't remember. But uh, basically, is life happens for you, not to you, and I think that reflects a little bit. You know, so what I was mentioning when I made the shift from being employed to self-employment because I thought, okay, I could just really believe the narrative that recruitment, I'll never, I'll never get a project or recruitment is, is dead, blah, blah, blah. But I, I just thought, no, wait, let's take control and turn this into maybe positive experience and, uh, and see what I can learn from this. Um, because yeah, for me, that, that was for someone who's been always doing something that was like, wait, now I have to do, I have to do nothing. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, so yeah, so um, and I just got reminded of that, and I thought, okay, that you know, that really, really aligns with me. So yeah, <laughs> I love that. I think that's a fantastic quote. I'd never heard it before, actually. So um, yeah, that'll definitely be something that I take away. Eva, I have absolutely loved speaking with you today and um, learning more about your journey. And I think you've got some fantastic perspectives on especially that transition from um, sort of being employed to uh, being freelance and and your own boss. And I think that Mm -hmm. life happens for you, not to you really sums that up nicely. So it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Also, I loved all the questions and everything. And um, thank you so much for preparing this really. 